Last Saturday, on the Jewish holiday of Simchat, a day in which Jews in the Torah are commanded to experience joy, there was, well, as one said in the kibbutz, they were like animals, a statement that is probably offensive to animals. Because we have seen the bodies and we have heard the stories of the horrific acts that were both calculated and insane. So what are the odds of a child in Israel who witnessed and survived last Saturday wanting some revenge? And what are the odds of a child in Gaza who survives the days ahead wanting some revenge? On Friday, I heard a rabbi say that on the Sabbath, Jews will read from the first chapter of Genesis. And then the rabbi spoke of a Midrash story about the end of the first day of creation, God's very first day. The rabbi told the story and said, when it grew dark, the Adam got really scared because he had never seen darkness before. And he started to weep and scream and cry. And Eve came over and sat right across from him and cried with him all night long until the dawn came. The rabbi said, in light of all that is transpiring, our job as human beings is to come and sit with one another and hold each other in the sorrow until we're able to once again walk toward the light. Is that what we're supposed to do? So many with whom I've interacted this week have great angst. We see the pictures, we hear the cries. There's so much darkness. What are we to do? What are we supposed to do, they ask me. I'm not sure if they're asking me if for permission to join the fight, to pick a side. Please don't tell me to keep them in my thoughts and prayers. We live in a time when giving our thoughts and prayers is perceived to be trite, largely because most of the world believes God to be trite. And even those who believe in God would rather put their trust in horses and chariots than in the power of God. What are we supposed to do in a world of a small God, in a world of no God? I suppose whatever. I suspect having people in our thoughts and prayers is to be perceived to be trite because the world expects little from us. And that's a shame. Because what we will hear from a convict named Paul is something entirely different. Paul is in prison not because he killed someone. Paul is in prison not because he stole some groceries. Paul is in prison because he acted like Jesus. He was disturbing the Pax Romana, 
He was disturbing, disturbing the so-called peace. So it is that in prison, Paul will ask us to have some thoughts and prayers. He will tell us to think about some things, but then he'll ask us to do them. To look like Jesus. To disturb the Pax Romana. To disturb the Roman peace in order to receive a peace that surpasses all understanding. From Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9, hear the word of God. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my crown and my joy, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Eudiah and urge Syntyche to be of the same mind of the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And this is the word of the Lord. I have been in ministry during the war in Bosnia and Serbia the war in Kuwait, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, the war in Ukraine. When the world heats up, people ask me, what are we supposed to do? I remember not long ago feeling like I was being asked for permission to carpet bomb Moscow, and I fully grasp the anger of the bully. I fully grasp it. It is deep within my own DNA. What happens, though, is we settle things down and the war with Russia gets too expensive and politics changes like the wind. It's more uh, advantageous to the media to divide us than to unite us. And I suppose that's true of the devil as well. The problem with being in ministry over the years is that my DNA is always held in check by the Word of God. And to tell you the truth, the Word of God stresses me out. <laughs> it doesn't allow me to negotiate a peace with Rome. It doesn't allow me to negotiate a peace with what Jesus wants and what the world wants. Can't we just be friends? Can't we just get along, Jesus, and the world? I must choose. And you must choose. Do you live by God's rules or do you live by the world's? You can't, in Christianity, just make up your own rules. 
You can't in every, any game make up your own rules. You can't in the game of golf say, I'm just going to pick up the ball now and place it into the cup. Give me a birdie. Well, you can do that, but that's a sham. And the score doesn't mean a thing. Paul wants us to know that Jesus loves us, has grace for us, but there's something that we can do that enriches and deepens our understanding of that grace and our understanding of that love and gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. He's in pursuit of that. And the way you do it is to empty yourself. Just like Jesus told that rich young ruler, saying, hey, you've done the world's stuff really good. You're really good at that religious game. You just need to do one more thing. You just need to be all in. Give up it all and follow me. And the rich young ruler walks away sad because he had lots of things. Jesus loved him. It's just that the, the kid couldn't, couldn't get any peace. I told you last week that the most amazing conversations that I've had are with those people who knew that their days were numbered. They knew they were going to die. And when they knew that, it didn't matter anymore with how much money they had in their bank account. It didn't matter if their washer and dryer needed to be replaced. It didn't matter that their sprinkler was watering the road more than it was the lawn. It didn't matter. What mattered was to share deeply and richly into the love of God and Christ Jesus, to make amends, to say thank you, to give praise. And that sticks in my memory. Not that these people were dying, but that they were living. Really living. People so alive. Paul tells us that it takes a death sentence to be alive. That we must die in order to be raised. It's the heart of the gospel of Paul. Paul wrote the first gospel. Paul was writing well before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Before we had those gospels, we had Paul. Little old Paul against the mighty Roman Empire. You ever think about the Roman Empire? I came into the office the other day, and Hannah, who works in the office, says, how many times a week do you think of the Roman Empire? I said, oh, probably one or two times a week. She said, really? I said, yeah, at least. She said, and then she started, and everybody in the office was laughing. I said, why are you laughing? Chris was laughing, Sherry was laughing, they just laughed. It's always nice to come into office and have people laughing at you. Uh, They fessed up that there's some TikTok trend which shows that women do not think about the Roman Empire, and men are always thinking about the Roman Empire. Why do you think of the Roman Empire, she asked. Well, that's like asking, what have the Romans ever done for us, aside from roads and aqueducts and sanitation and wines and canals for navigation and public health and concrete cheese, medicine, irrigation, Roman laws? What else has the Romans done for us? I mean, they've done everything for us. And so, you see, I think about the Romans a lot. And last spring, I was standing in the Colosseum 
in Rome, thinking about the Romans. And I was reminded how the Roman Empire kept the Roman peace by ending the uprising in Jerusalem, killing Jews, tearing down the temple, marching all the gold back to Rome. And in Rome, they built that amazing Colosseum, truly amazing Colosseum. I was reminded there standing in the Colosseum with the high walls, higher, higher than this church building, that they took the Jewish slaves to build the Colosseum. And when they got really high up, they gouged out the eyes of the Jews so they would not fear. Just build. I thought about the Roman Empire and how it became threatened by a little man named Paul who had just a word. Why would the Romans throw Paul in prison? Why would, be, why would they be that scared of a little man because the devil knows the details. That this little word has power. And that if people, if they caught on to that power and decided that the only thing worth dying for is Jesus Christ so that they could live, then the Roman Empire would be no more. Because what would rule the world would be peace and joy and love and kindness and harmony. And here's the, here's the word that Paul is preaching. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Shh. Know this, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Shh. Not guns, not heat, not drought, not the president, not the speaker of the house, not the crazies, not your past. Stop it, Paul. Let go. Empty yourself. Be like Jesus. Rejoice. Rejoice, I say rejoice. Welcome everyone. Radically love everyone. Shine the light of Jesus. Live the God-sized dream. And it's so scary to the Roman Empire. It's so scary to the media that wants everyone to be against everyone, positive advertising never makes any money. You know that. Positive, loving, kindness, giving of yourself mercy. It doesn't make money. It saves lives. It gives peace. They'll throw you in prison for it, for disturbing the peace. But that's what you're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Finally, beloved, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, 
whatever is just, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think, think. Keep on doing the things. And the God of peace will be with you. How many times a week do you think about the Roman Empire? Do you remember that the Roman Empire was so threatened by some people who kept thinking and doing the things of Paul that one day there was an emperor who said, you know what? In this empire, everyone's a Christian. The story goes that the emperor had a vision of a cross and he heard the words, by this sign you shall conquer. The empire took that to mean you can brutalize people in the name of Jesus Christ. You can crusade against anyone. You can claim manifest destiny and run over the land. You can take all the gold. You can protect the prizes. And so I think about the Roman Empire and how they stole a good name. Weakened us so made thoughts and prayers trite. But I suspect there are a few people who are ready for some peace. I mean peace. 